0: You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, all my Utah friends and family. Happy Monday to you all. Welcome into a very belated New Year's edition of the Locked On Utes podcast. Thank you, as always, for making us your first listen every single day. Today's episode is brought to you by Sonos. Sonos is the official sponsor of ESPN College Football. Go to Sonos.com to learn more. No fitting, more fitting day to be sponsored by Sonos than today, as the college football playoff concludes. I don't know about you, I likely will not be watching. Uh, I should probably first apologize. This is the best that I can do with my voice so far. So if you're having a hard time hearing it, I apologize. We're working through it. I uh, have assembled a team of doctors, uh, a web of them, so to speak. You could call them WebMD, and we're trying to do everything we can to get my voice back. I don't know what exactly this is, if it's a combination of uh, uh, you know, just over-exuberance at the Rose Bowl, plus getting sick. Maybe it's COVID. Maybe this is a new symptom. I, I've tested negative a couple times, so we'll see. Uh, hopefully someday I can, uh, speak normally and not have to ingest 16 cough drops just to do an episode, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll continue on. You're at least getting an episode today. And while it is a week removed or, or a week late belated, I did want to go through a little bit of my thoughts about the Rose bowl. And I know that most people have probably formulated their own thoughts at this point, Everybody kind of has their opinion about it. We've all had a chance to digest. I think that's a good thing. This is, if we look at this game, this is a seminal moment in the history of Utah football. This is the new version of the Sugar Bowl. We don't have to rely on 2008 anymore. Utah football has evolved into, let's not say college football powerhouse, but a college football playoff player. And I think, if nothing else, this game established that this program is on track. We are right there with that second tier of college football. Uh, Disappointing end to the game for sure. It did feel like just the magic sort of ran out. And you could point at a variety of factors. I know a lot of people will want to point at Mackay Bernard and say, well, that's a big problem. I didn't think that Mackay played all that poorly, uh, everything being equal. Could you have subbed him in a little bit more? Could you have changed coverages a little bit? Perhaps. But there were other defensive backs on the field that got burned uh, not quite as often, but but still consistently enough that Utah's secondary was problematic. Uh, and I don't know that a healthy Zamiya Vaughn or Fabian Marks or, well, hard to say about JT Broughton, because I think JT Broughton is the best cornerback on the team, and I know I say that understanding how well Clark Phillips played, but it's the truth, he's without a doubt the best cover corner. So maybe he helps a little bit, but at the same time, this is a tremendous wide receiver group from Ohio State, and it was having re-watched the game. So watching the game in the moment, especially in the Rose Bowl, the the aesthetic The environment, the culture, uh, everything about the Rose Bowl is mecca to me as a college football fan. I think that's where they should play the college football championship every single year. I think they should do everything they can to try and make that stadium more, uh, more. uh, I want to say conductive, conducive to to actually having a large crowd, but it, it does a decent job. I'm not sure that there's so much you can change, but it's just beautiful, and there is an aura about it. There's an energy. There's a level of history that just sits in the stadium and and it's hard to argue against the backdrop and the weather and everything else that comes with it. Having said that, the game was incredible. The atmosphere was electric. The fans were amazing. I think most Utah fans came away thinking the same thing. Man, it was great to be there. It was a great game. Utah gave it everything they had. Just came up short. We had some legendary moments. The legend of Bryson Barnes has now officially been cemented. No thanks to Locked On Utes, who's been tooting that horn for quite a while. And Now, I don't think we ever said on here that Bryson Barnes was going to throw the game-tying touchdown, or in his words, holy bleep, that's a touchdown, uh, in the Rose Bowl against Ohio State. But we finally got to see him in game action and understand why the Utah coaching staff values him so highly. He has incredible football IQ. He is a much more... Uh, accurate passer. We talk all the time about repetitive accuracy. Uh, don't ask me to define the difference between repetitive accuracy and you know normal accuracy. I think uh, as far as any Ludwig considers it, it's the ability to be accurate with the same throws consistently. But uh, don't you don't have to take my word for it. Shout out to the Grand Marshal LeVar Burton. But we got a chance to see how good Bryson Barnes really is, and that's why he took the snaps instead of Jaquinnon Jackson. He is a better passer right now. Jaquinnon has the physical tools, the physical abilities. He's just not there as a quarterback yet. To say that he won't get there, I think that's uh, nearsighted, especially with a spring ball coming around where you're likely not going to see a ton of Cameron rising. You're going to see more Bryson Barnes than you are. Uh, Bryson Barnes and Jaquinn and Jackson, and, and I believe Nate Johnson will be in there too. Um, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Brandon Rose, I know one or two of those uh, are coming in for sure. Uh, anybody who subscribes at u probably knows better than I do. But um, having said all that, I think the game was uh, it was an epic game. It was an epic performance by Utah. I think you can look at it two ways. You can look at it as... Utah's defensive backfield got toasted, or you can look at it as Ohio State had to have a historical effort from two of their best players to beat the University of Utah. Obviously, I choose to look at it as the latter. I thought it was an incredible effort by C.J. Stroud. Some of those throws that he made, not surprising if you've watched him over time, but still awe-inspiring. And I also believe that You know, we saw some transcendent performances from that wide receiver core, and it's not going to be the last one. That's a really impressive group, and Ohio State knew what they had to do. They understood the assignment, as uh, the kids in my neighborhood like to tell me. They had to throw the ball, and that was the only way that they were going to come back against the University of Utah. It was the only way that they were going to win that game. It was not a, uh, uh, a fun situation to watch, I think, as a Utah fan. But at the same time, uh, you have to be proud of this team and how far they've come. This wasn't a game where Utah was outmatched and and scrapped their way to to survive. This was a game where Utah went toe-to-toe with one of the best teams in the country and almost won. And I don't know that they're quite there yet in terms of being on the same level as Ohio State. It's just really tough. Uh, Ohio State's been doing this for decades, and they have a recruiting pipeline going that uh, we just don't have quite yet with Utah. But you can see where Utah's getting to with regards to uh, everything that they have going on. And it's, it's it's amazing. It really is. And I think the future is super... Exciting! I think there's a lot of potential for greatness. And uh, I'm just really... The the season was so long in so many respects. And there was so much to go through. And I think you've all heard that way too much from me anyways. That to see it end that way felt poetic in a lot of respects. And fitting uh, that it wasn't quite completed. Uh, It wasn't quite perfect. It wasn't quite the... Uh, Hollywood ending that we sort of talked about. But at the same time, uh, you know, you have to feel for the seniors who won't get another shout at it. And uh, the guys like Britton Covey who just, you know, have given so much to this program. And I think everybody is super grateful uh, for everything that they've added to it. Uh, There's a lot to look at in terms of what the future of this team is. I think they've closed off the recruiting season fairly strong. There's still a lot to be uh to be determined. Um, as I like to say, uh the grades aren't posted. They're not final, not yet. Uh it would be Utah's my grade for Utah season because we'll actually find out the overall uh impact of this season years down the road and if Utah can continue to grow and develop their program and their footprint and I think you're already starting to see it Joe Klatt had Utah ranked eighth in in his preseason poll and there are others out there that are doing the same and as long as that's the case uh Utah's gonna have a good shot uh to continue this and I think that to me is such a uh, transcendent opportunity. I never, I didn't I, look, I, I always knew it was possible that Utah could get to this point. I just never thought it would become a reality. And now here Utah sits and it's gotta be a great feeling. And there's so much more to come around the horizon. And, uh, you know, uh, the bowl season may be over, um, but that doesn't mean that your fun with sports has to end. That's what's great about Prize Picks. They're a leader in college sports daily fantasy. They offer more college football and basketball props than anyone in the world, and they offer all star, all the star players, a Power Five, as well as mid-major players you might not even heard of. They offer any prop you can think of in basketball. You can play points, rebounds, assists, threes made, and more. Anyone who deposits $100 into their Price picks account and uses the promo code Locked On will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. All you have to do pick your two to five players and the over/under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. Remember, it's just you versus the numbers, so you don't have to play against uh, Slick Dan out there in the desert who is uh, using 16 different computers in an underground uh, uh, bunker somewhere to calculate exactly who is going to win what. It's just you and the projections. They allow mixed sport entries, so you can take the over on Embiid or the under on Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs for in the same entry. All you got to do, just use the award-winning app on both the Apple App Store and Google Play, download that onto your phone or mobile device. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. PrizePix is safe and offers fast withdrawals, so don't hesitate to check out prizepix.com, use the promo code on or go to your App Store and download the app today. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. Round two here on the Locked On Youth podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, thank you for making us your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, even if we do not sound so great right now. But I wanted to get something out there because I uh, I feel the heat, I feel the pressure. Uh, everybody misses the podcast. And, uh, it, it's, let me, uh, let me start by saying thank you, first of all, for everybody who reached out and asked what was going on. As you can hear, it's not great, um, but it is great to hear from people and know that you are missed, uh, that you're appreciated, all of those kinds of things. So I really, uh, really am thankful to everybody for, uh, for chiming in and for asking what was going on. That being said, there's a lot to catch up here on the uh, on the podcast. Uh, we've got, uh, oh boy, where to start? Probably Transfer Portal Departures. So I think the big one is Xavier Carlton entered into the Transfer Portal. And I'm sure that there are a lot of people who are curious uh, what's going on with that one. I don't think there's much uh, behind the scenes that, that hasn't already been talked about. Uh, simply just Xavier feels like he's an edge. Uh, Utah feels like he's probably a defensive tackle, and if you're Xavier Carlton and you see what's happening on the edge right there with Jonah Ellis, with Van Fillinger, uh, Chase Kennedy coming in, um, all that kind of stuff, I think it's, it's, it's easy to see that you're going to be in the rotation at Utah, maybe, or you can go somewhere else and likely be the starter. And so that being said... Uh, I think that, you know, for, for Xavier, it's the right move. For Utah, it's probably fine. They're stacked a defensive tackle anyways. And uh, I know that there's a lot of people out there that will say something along the lines of, like, I wish him nothing uh, and all that stuff. That's fine. I wish him well. It's not his fault that he wants to play a different position, and Utah projects him as a different one. And it's also not uh, entirely on uh him to do exactly what utah wants i think there are examples where utah has projected guys on one side and, and it's not been uh everything that they hoped it would be um so you know it's it it's a two-way street with this kind of stuff and and i wish Xavier well now that being said i hope it doesn't transfer somewhere in a conference i haven't heard anything about that yet i'm sure that it'll be a little bit of time before we hear anything um Also departing through the transfer portal, Jeremy Mercier, uh, backup linebacker. He never really saw a lot of time. He was great as a teammate. I think he was good in the program. He was kind of a guy that they took a shot on, and he just didn't develop. And sometimes that happens, and it is what it is. Um, But I wish him good luck for sure uh, wherever he lands, and and hopefully an opportunity to play, uh, if nothing else. So um, that's not the end of the Transfers likely out of the program. There are sure to be a few. I don't know exactly as of right now who all uh, Will be leaving as well, but uh, there are some likely suspects. I think if you look at the roster, anybody who's kind of uh, Down in depth or maybe uh, frustrated I wouldn't be surprised to see a lineman or two transfer simply because utah is kind of uh stacked uh, underneath uh it with depth and i know that sounds really bizarre for me to say but it is very true um the other thing that's happening is utah is doing work through the portal as uh they acquired a player let's call it i don't know i don't know how to say it right now uh well l- let's do this Utah managed to secure two commitments from players. One from a very familiar face in Tavion Thomas, who announced that he will return for the 2022 season. I think it is the right move on Thomas' part. I think it was the expectation all along. He needs to come back and prove himself for an entire season at the University of Utah. There's some stuff behind the scenes uh, that I think will help him as well. You know, if he can continue to uh, be a positive impact player at the U if he can continue to uh, showcase his ability as a leader, if he can continue to get in shape and continue to lead this football team. Not only that, but if they can, if they have Tavion and, and rising back, I think this team has as good a shot as any other Utah team of making it back to the Rose Bowl or even the college football playoff. Utah's going to need a player of his caliber when they go to Florida. They're playing against an SEC caliber team with SEC caliber uh, athletes and And look, I know we love to make jokes about it, but it's still a a really good school and a really good football program with a really great history. Now, do I expect Utah to go in there and win? Of course. But as those who listen all the time, I expect Utah to do that a lot along the same Florida pipeline that we're talking about. They also landed a transfer in Mohamed Diabate. Uh, no, it's not diabetes, uh, though I did see that joke going around. But who knows with the kind of uh, blood sugar spikes he might cause quarterbacks. There could be a lot of diabetes on an opposing playing uh, uh, players. Okay, rough joke. Uh, I Look, a week off, and I am also a little bit out of shape. But the, the good news with uh, Diabate is that he is an elite athlete. He is a former four-star. He's coming from Florida with something to prove. Chip on his shoulder. Now, for those who are asking, why is Utah going after another linebacker? Why are they still recruiting linebackers? Two answers. One, I think Utah has decided that linebackers and edge players are pretty much interchangeable. Uh, or how they want to get to. So the way that I've described this a little bit is that Utah kind of wants to be like the Golden State Warriors on defense, where their version of Draymond Green is the defensive tackles, and they can just interchange players as much as possible. There's a lot of people out there that want to see like a a 4-3 or a 4-4 even. I don't know that we're going to go that far, but when you have players like Cole Bishop and then Diabate who can play multiple positions. Diabate, I expect, will more than likely be an edge player. Uh, We saw that Lander Barton had an extremely good uh, showing at the All-America game in, in San Antonio as a linebacker, and I think what he showed there was very similar to what Noah Sewell showed when Noah went down there, and so maybe Lander Barton being an edge is is not as set in stone as it would have been a while before, and so now he's kind of going towards the middle, and so if you have Karene Reed, you have Lander Barton, you have Cole Bishop, you have the Calvert boys coming back, uh, you have a lot of players there that could play, and I know there's a lot up in the air in terms of Ethan Calvert and, and where he sits. I don't think that he's career-ending in terms of his injury, but... We just don't know what he's going to be or where he ends up. And, you know, maybe there's a situation where he can't play linebacker anymore. And so playing on the edge makes a lot more sense. And Utah has some open spots there at the defensive end position. I know there there's rumors floating around about Max Tupai coming back. I wouldn't put too much into that right now. Uh, there's Johnny Fanaika, uh, the return missionary from Pleasant Grove, Van Fillinger, obviously, Elijah Shelton, the walk-on who transferred from Utah State. I don't know how much playing time Elijah's really going to get, uh, but he's a body that's there. Uh, there's Mickey Sungataranga, who I think really has a high upside and high uh, high ceiling. Obviously, we've talked a lot about Tyler Weges on on this show, and, and I think there are other players, too, from the linebacking position that could end up there. Um one that seems to stand out in my mind would be, uh, you know, maybe Andrew Mata'afa is a guy who could try the edge. Uh, he has not made it click at the linebacker position, and I've not heard that he's really a guy that they're dedicated towards putting there. Another name, Lalani Longi, uh, the walk-on who transferred from Washington State, he could be a player. And then, of course, there's all the guys that, that they're going out and recruiting, uh, you know, if one of the Calverts does ship switch over there because of uh, the injury stuff, that could be an option, but also you're going to have Diabate there. That's a lot of good edges, and I think that's a, a, a paramount aspect for this Utah football team to have very strong athletic edge players. We saw it in the Oregon game, the way that Van Fillinger could defend the edge and push flow to the outside and stay athletically going sideline to sideline with some of those running backs and some of those wide receivers – it was massive for Utah, and so I think that's the whole philosophy behind recruiting more and more linebackers. Is Utah going to switch to a 2-4-5 or a 3-4 uh, or anything like that? Not likely, but they're going to use that Cowboy package that they used a lot more. They're going to use a, a variety of personnel and everything like that. And I think that's the biggest thing that we're learning here uh, as we uh, – as we watch Utah do work, so to speak, in the portal and, and, and on the recruiting trail. Uh, so, there's still some moves to be made. I think Spring Bell is going to be really fascinating for Utah. I think there are some guys that could make position changes, and we'll talk about that a little bit more around the corner. But Thomas Yasmeen is a guy that really intrigues me, and I'm super high on him as a tight end. But if you ever look at a picture of him, just look at the size of his arms and tell me that those arms don't look like they should be on the defensive line. Maybe? Who knows? Uh, This is complete speculation, by the way. But that being said, Utah's going to have the opportunity to uh, interchange some pieces for sure coming up this spring. And, you know, Utah fans, uh, I have an incredible app app. For everyone who buys gas, that you need to know about, it's called Get Upside. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use the promo code SCORE and get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpSide. Just download the app for free and use the promo code SCORE to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a month in cash back. And there is no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Get Upside app. Use the promo code SCORE to get up to $0.50 cents a gallon cash back on your first tank. That's SCORE for Get Upside. Finishing off an episode of the Locked on Youth Podcast. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. My voice is starting to fail me. The good news is that we should have some help around the corner so that it won't always be me just talking. But I wanted to hit a couple things as we uh, wrap up the show. First off, Utah's 2022 baseball schedule was released. Uh this this week, they'll start off the season at Loyola Marymount in a three-game road stand down in Los Angeles, and then they'll head home on February—that will start on February the 18th, and then they'll head home on Tuesday, February 22nd to play at Utah Valley. They'll then head to the Tony Gwynn Legacy Classic, where they'll play three games on February 25th, 26th, and 27th there in San Diego, California at Tony Gwynn Stadium, at UNLV on the road to start off the month of March. Then they'll play a three-game road uh, road set at CSU Bakersfield, excuse me, four-game uh, with a doubleheader on that Saturday, and then at Fresno State to wrap up the uh, long opening season road trip on March the 8th. Conference play will start on March 11th with a home stand against Washington and then BYU will be on March the 15th. They'll head on the road to Oregon for a three-game stand from March 18th to the 20th and then from March 22nd and 23rd they'll be back home to take on Northern Colorado. Mercer comes into town that weekend, March 25th, 26th and 27th for a home stand. They'll play another home game at Utah or against Utah Valley at Smith Ballpark on March 29th and then back on the road for Washington State, another road game at Utah Valley on April 5th. Then it'll be back at home for UCLA from April 9th or April 8th to April 10th. Another home stand against Arizona from the 14th to the 16th and then a home game against the BYU Cougars at Smith Ballpark on April 19th. They'll then go on the road to play USC from the 22nd to the 24th. Swing by uh, Smith's Ballpark for a home affair against Dixie State on a Tuesday. And then wrap up the homestand with a three-game set against Oregon State. Oregon State should be one of the better teams in college baseball. In May, starting on the 6th, they'll go on the road to play Arizona State. They'll play at Dixie State on May 11th. They'll play Stanford at home on May the 13th. And then May 17th at BYU. Continuing the road trip, they'll go to California May 19th, 20th, and 21st to wrap up their regular season schedule. And hopefully by that point, Utah will have a berth in the Pac-12 baseball tournament, which starts on May the 25th. Also need to talk about the basketball program as they drop two this week. One to Washington at home, 74-68. And then another big loss... Uh, I, I, I mean it was it was not a pretty game at all to Washington State which won for the first time in Salt lake City since I believe it was 1941 was the stat that I read and it was not a very good game for the University of utah it just This team is struggling to produce offense right now, and Brandon Carlson missing the game on Saturday with appendicitis, that was a big deal. This team absolutely needs his presence, both offensively and defensively, to really be effective, and then you had just some not great performances from guys that you really need to to come through in the clutch if you're going to win the game. Um I didn't, you know. I, I think this team still has a lot of opportunity. I think we're early in the season. I think there's a lot of development that can happen. Uh, I think there is a ton of uh, potential with this squad. Still, I think it's good to get uh, uh, Douchan back, and and I think Utah still has to find some consistency that they've been missing just because of all the injuries. And I think that'll come. But the biggest thing is it's not pretty to watch right now. And, uh, there's no arguing with that from any of us here. But that being said, I think, you know, the, the honeymoon period is over a little bit for coach Smith. Um, it's and and that being said I, I I'm not saying I'm out on coach smith by any stretch but I think the the fun part about seeing him be active and everything like that it, it's not as fun when you're getting beat by Washington uh Washington State the way that Utah was and they're going to need to find a way to generate some offense that's the bottom line uh, this is not a high scoring high octane team they're going to win through defense and rebounding and they just look, a lot of guys did not post great games uh You know, Marco Anthony, uh, Booth Gotch, uh, leading the team in points. David Jenkins only had 10 on two of five shooting. Uh, You've got to get more from those guys. Uh, Gabe Madsen going 0 for 4, not a great game for him. Eventually, he's going to start hitting those and things will change. Uh, Dushan, only one for six. Uh, Our guy Lazar Stefanovich, struggling, uh, two for six, only seven points. I believe he left the game with an injury. And uh, Utah just didn't really have a great game overall um, in, in the Saturday affair. And so they've got some things to work on. They're going to be minus Brandon Carlson for a little bit now as he is recovering from a successful uh, append- appendix surgery. And uh, we here on the podcast wish him the best of luck and a quick recovery because Utah needs to get him back. I think uh, this is still a team that's Looking to find an identity a little bit, and he's a big part of that. Wouldn't be a Locked On Utes episode if we didn't talk a little bit of gymnastics here. We'll talk about that more with Sammy upcoming this week. But they cruised to a season's opening win Friday night at the Maverick Center, posting in 197.100 uh, at the Rio Tinto Best of Utah to down both BYU, SUU, and Utah State. It was their highest total in a season opener since 2019. Uh, and as we've talked about, this is a team that really does have a lot of firepower, a lot of potency. Some strong performances. Uh, Coach Tom Varden had the following to say. One of the things we wanted to do was hit 24 routines, which we were a little short on, but I do think the team handled some adversity. There were three freshmen in the Beam lineup, and for them to handle Beam as their first event I thought was incredible. Floor we had an out-of-bounds and responded after that, and then we had some last-minute lineup changes on vault that they handled well. Lastly, we had an uncharacteristic mistake on bars, and I thought the final two athletes did a great job to finish out. So not a perfect performance by any stretch, but a very solid all-around performance uh, for the Red Rocks and looking forward to them doing a lot more moving forward. We're going to call it a day here on the Locked on Youth podcast. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I apologize for my voice. We're going to keep working to try and get it back to uh, podcast shape. Uh, Thank you, as always, for making Locked on Youth your first listen every day. Now, go ahead and make your second listen, Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. Thank you all for following, for tweeting, for everything like that. Make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Also follow us on Twitter at Locked on Utes. Email the show, LockedOnUts at gmail.com. Tweet at me, at Brown Bear SLC. All the above, open and available to you. This has been the Locked On Utes podcast for Monday, January 10th, 2022. And we will talk to you again tomorrow.